What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Hello and welcome to Art of War Unbroken. Champions may lose, but their spirits remain unbroken. I'm your host, Blake Law. This is episode 34 of the podcast, and we are very happy you were able to join us today. They say we learn the most from our losses, and that is exactly what this show aims to do. We are interviewing an elite player who has lost one to two games at a major event. And we are going to break down the game, we're going to break down the mistakes, and we're going to talk about how they plan to learn and move forward from that game. How often have you blamed a game on bad dice? I have done it. Nick Nanavati's done it. The universe itself has done it. Welcome to Toledo, Ohio, known for its minor league baseball team, the Mud Hens, and for being the residing city of Old Man Brad, and actually, I guess, Glass. And that is where we're headed today for the Glass City GT. We are talking about golf orcs playing a game versus the old man himself. Now, this is part one of the episode, so... In this part, we'll be analyzing the game. We'll be talking about common mistakes. We'll be talking about the missions, secondaries, target priority, all the good stuff that goes into the game. Join us for part dose or part two of the episode, which is available to subscribers at theartofwar40k.com. Jump over there and subscribe today to get content to all the gameplay, all the strategies, all the things that this player saw and is changing in their list moving forward. We're going to talk about all that stuff in part two. My co-host today spent six grueling seasons as a mascot of the Toledo Mud Hens. As Muddy the Mud Hen himself, he aspired for one thing, to one day make it a podcast where he discussed Warhammer 40k with his great bud Blake. He is a four-time Adepticon champion, a three-time Nova champion. He's won basically every single major event in the United States and beyond. He is a former ITC champion, a lifetime member of Team USA, Mr. I guess it's not Brad. It is Mr. Brown Magic, Nick Nanavati. I'm going to pretend to be Brad Chesterton. I'm just going to interrupt you a lot, talk about Ohio and old people things, and we're just going to, it's going to be great. Yeah, I I really I was gonna ask Brad another question, which I, I wanted to have you speculate for him. And it's actually I looked up I was looking up Toledo because I know nothing about it, and it has a high violent crime rate apparently. And I was gonna I was I gonna went ask at one time, and it was really gray and cold and miserable. We went to a diner, that was the highlight of the experience. Uh, do not recommend. Don't know why Brad lives there. Well, Zero I want to know. I want to know if the violent crime went up when when Brad moved there. That was like, was he part of that inciting? Uh, was he an inciting factor to that I, stat? I genuinely believe that if Brad left Toledo, it would, it would be out. sunshines and rainbows. Yeah. So you know, one of these things causes the other. You know, saying I'm going to start a petition to get him out of there. We need to we need to save that city from Brad. Yeah. Well, I'm with it. I do want to talk about one thing, Nick. Me and you were going to the melee. Was it the melee at Shiloh in Northwest Arkansas in February? How yeah. excited are you? Uh, ten out of ten. Couldn't be more excited. I don't get to play forty k anymore, so I'm going to go claim Shiloh. I, I tell you that this is like this is. I, I would call this my my home event with Mister Brian Priest running that event. Brian is near dear to my heart. He taught me forty k when I was a wee lad. So this is just, it's just a feel good event, man. For everyone listening, go check it out. Melee at Shiloh.com. Come, come play us. Come play versus. It's going to be a good time. 
good time. Don't even know what I'm playing. John's going to pick <laughs> Not this, John. Our guest today started playing the game in third edition in what he calls a very competitive basement. His first event in the competitive scene was in eighth edition at Glass City, where he finished near the top with a very bottom-tier Necron army. He returned one year later to bring home eighth place with a Silent King list, which is quite respectable. And we fast forward this year to Glass City 2022, where he brought home a Best General Award. He placed second place at the Sunken City GT in 2021. He's a rising star in the 40K community, Mr. John DeFrank. Nice to meet you guys. How's it going? Good. Thanks for coming on. I wish we had played the game, but you know, as the new replacement Brad Chester, I can telepathically just do this for you. Yeah, he's just gonna. I was, I was really wanting to hear Brad's thoughts on this because it was, a, it looked like a tight one. I think it ended up ninety six to ninety seven, so a one point deficit in that game. I'm, I'm excited to hear what you thought about that one. Actually, I thought a lot of things of it as the one who played it. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> John. Before we get into it, if you were a betting man, who do you have winning LVO this year? Oh man, um, is it yourself? It's pretty. No, I'm not going to LVO this oh, year. Yeah. I wish I could. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. You guys got some good players going. I guess I have to give it to Mark Perry for the Orcs. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the uh, the Orc rooter right here. Go Orcs. Yeah. You know what's funny is Nick, in our last episode, Nick was on last episode as a guest, and he, he picked Mark also, I believe. We got the Dark Horse Orcs picks going on over here. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I picked it, Brad. I'm, I'm, I'm staying true to Unbroken, and I want to have my co-host going, uh, going the distance. But... Uh, Let's get into it, man. I should pick him, but uh, unless he plays Orcs, then... Maybe he will, because he lost. I mean, he lost this event, so maybe he's jumping ship. I wish I could ask him. Wish you were here right now. We'd figure it out. Um, Am I just useless to you, Blake? You got the brown magic. You don't even need Brad. You're a tiny bit useless to me right now, Nick. I wish I I had the the man himself here talking about the list that he played in this match versus our guest. That would be... That's like um, like the bread and butter of the show. I'll tell you the list he played. I really will. Okay. All right. All right. I'm looking more. forward to it. I'm excited. I'm excited you're here. I'm, I'm glad you're joining me. Good. Good. Tell me uh, Tell me a little bit about the event. Tell me about Glass City. Tell me about the terrain, just how many people were there and all that jazz. Yeah, so there's probably, I want to say about 60-something people at Glass City, I think. Um, the terrain was, it was uh, pre-set up. Nothing, like, nothing changed. So every mission was the same terrain set up. It had two large pieces in the middle that were obscuring. And then on each corner uh, were two more obscuring. And then the opposite corners would just be like just rough terrain. It could be anything from, you know, cover or it, it's just what you see is what you get. And then there was like two forests on the sides of uh, on the long, on the long board. Does that, uh, is that consistent through all the boards? So they don't, this layout doesn't change. There's no shifting. Mid event. Change. Okay. Nope. So uh, Every mission that you played, it, it was the same, the same layout. And this is a five, uh, five round event, right? So you played three day one, two day two. Correct. Perfect. All right. And we're talking today, and I'm very excited about it. Your round four matchup, and you faced off against Old Man himself. You, uh, he was playing the Aldari. You were playing the Golf Orcs, which I love your list, by the way. And we're we're going to get into that. That's that's the next thing we're jumping into. And I'm excited to hear about it, man. That's a, that's kind of a cool, unique take on it. So why don't you just tell us? Why don't you just run us through your list? Tell us why you took the things you took. Sure. I had uh, two two patrol detachments. Uh, my first detachment, I had a war boss with the uh, competitive edge and claw, or brutal but cunning and the uh, the claw. I had two boys, a unit of uh, 
two commandos, 110, 15. I had storm boy unit. Um, I had, and <clears throat> sorry, I, I do apologize. I don't have it written out in front of me. I also have um, oh, the beast boss and squigasaur for the other patrol detachment. I had, oh, the, the original war boss was a truck boy. I had mega knobs that were truck boys as well. I had two trucks, two beast snagger boys, two kill rigs, two squads of uh, beast hog riders, and then two of the uh, knobs on smash the squigs. Dude, the kill rigs seem to be where it's at these days, man. I've seen um, I've seen those in a lot of pretty pretty nice lists out there. Yeah, the kill rigs, um, they're they're really great. Uh, I I absolutely love what they do, and they're obnoxious for their points. Yeah. Nick, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about what Mr. Chester, or what you took, I guess, because you are Chester today. As Brad Chester, runner of Ohio, I took the Custom Craft Builds, which was uh, an expert crafters and masterful shop battalion, so I ignored his cover and went to free reroll. I got a Farseer with Guiding Doom in there. Then I had a Warlock Skyrunner Conclave, so I could use the strat to get extra range on, on Doom and Jinx. Or on Jinx. They had Protect and Jinx and Quick and Restraint. Then I had a unit of swooping hawks. Uh, scroll a little bit. I'm very familiar with the storming I played. I got a unit of two units of four dark reapers, and the next arc there had rapid shots. So just lots of shots coming out of just these, these things, all anti tank, no uh, tempest launchers. A couple night spinners, a unit of shadow weavers, just two, and then a unit of war walkers with bright lances, two of them outflanking. Then we have harlequins, my personal favorite, soaring spite detachment. We had a troop master, classic Fang master with a Sky Strider warlord traits. So we can move after the thing advances. Um, one, two, three units of troops with a bunch of embraces and fusion pistols. I know Brad and I spoke after the event, and he hated the fusion pistols. I also hate the fusion pistols. Screw the fusion pistols. We got a uh, solitaire with the rose and three star readers to round. Yeah, that's uh, that's your pretty uh, pretty standard bread and butter Harlequin. I'm adding in something so. What do you, how do you feel about that, Nick? I mean, you're a Harlequin guy. You've talked to Brad about this. Yeah, Brad and I actually worked on this list together. And as the Brad Chester, I can speak to it really well. I think it's really cool. It's got Harlequins give you that, that forward objective primary play because they can get you strangled really effectively or engage really effectively while contesting your opponent's primaries. Um, they do that really well by using the Soaring Spite strats. The Fangmaster is obviously really good, but just, you know, his stat one is pretty effective, and a lot of everyone really takes him in the competitive Harlequin armies. But uh, right now, he's really good as a meta call because you can, if you go first against Tyranids, you can really just turn one kill all the Hive Guard. All you have to do is make a hole for a 25 mil base dude. Then you fly that Star Weaver up 20 something inches, get out, move advance, and then just charge with this guy. And they can name three for two command points, all the Hive Guard die. And it's a huge load off your shoulders. Yeah. So I really like that. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Does he still have the thing where he can get in the back into the transport after he? Yeah, that's just a strat they all have. All the storing spite one, isn't it? Spite strat. Yeah, that's why it's so good. And then you have all the Eldar firepower, and it's like a lot of MSU firepower. The hawks are really good for helping you get your rods. I think they might also be it to the last in this army. Um, I believe we talked about the two night spinners and the hawks. Great to the last options. And I think he went for dark moves. Um, yeah, I really like it. I think it's an awesome army. Yeah, it's a, I mean it's it's a wacky army. It's it's kind of what we saw at the beginning of ninth. They kind of faded off a little bit. Now it's making a making. Is it making a last push for LVO? Who knows? Who knows what Brad's doing? But uh, I think it'll be kind of cool. Full circle, you know, beginning of ninth, end of end of uh, the twenty twenty one season. Kind of cool to see. 
You can actually but, follow what he's doing in our Road to LVO show going on right now in the war room. Daily show up leading up to LVO with Brad. And Adam, right? Adam's been on that a couple times. And Adam. Can't forget Adam. You can't forget yeah. Adam. Adam C. He's American now. Exactly. I want to call him American Adam now. He's no longer Adam Camilleri. It's just American Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Change his accent. Get rid of all of it. He's, he's, he's going full national. But tell us a little bit about the game y'all played, John. Tell me what mission y'all had and kind of run me through your secondaries. All right, so we played direct assault. Um, we had uh, the secondaries I took. I took stranglehold. I took direct assault, and then I took um, rod. And then Brad took rod as well. He took engage. And then um, I'm trying to remember his last one that he did. I I, re- I remember he was trying to pick to the last or assassin. Oh, he I think he went for assassinate. And uh, I can't remember actually can't remember what his other secondary was um and the, i ended up actually going first so I, I actually took first turn uh first turn i just applied a lot of pressure i threw my truck boys up into his um the shuriken catapult you know the uh line of sight that little vehicle thing i can't remember what it's called ne- never uh i'm always fuzzy with the eldar names how do, how do you, whenever you're looking across the board, how did Brad kind of uh, deploy? How did you deploy? What was the board looking like pregame so, stat? D- deployment was a little rough for me because it was the, um, you know, the corners and then you have to stay nine inches from the center. When I, when I was deploying, um, the terrain was like really big for my kill rigs. So I actually struggled actually trying to figure out where I want to put my kill rigs. So I put one uh, right up on the line. On, on the halfway mark and then I put one kind of like deeper into my deployment zone and then I had my truck boys all the way up forward and I had like my other boys in the back uh Brad he deployed pretty much everything in the corner so I couldn't really tag too much turn one so maybe was, that was, was Nick playing actually my favorite kind of deployment. <laughs> Nick, Nick maybe was in spirit there and playing as Brad if he's playing the corners I learned from the best, you know? Yeah, so when I when I won the roll-off, when I, I was looking what I wanted to do, I knew I needed to get my Mega Knobs out just to apply pressure, just so he, so they can take the shots so I can move things forward and not worry about the Ignore's line of sight that he had out there. And then, because uh, he, he, he had to put a lot more into the Mega Knobs, which was really good for me, of course. And then, like, he couldn't really get the boy squad in the back as much. He, he dwindled them a little, but not too much. The kill rigs were pretty much untouched, though I rolled like three sixes. <laughs> when you went first, did you just kind of, were you happy about going first? And did you just run straight at him with basically everything? Honestly, I didn't want to go first. Um, I, I wanted to go second. Uh, I wanted him to, to make the first move so I could react. Uh, going first isn't too horrible for my list. Uh, but I, I actually do prefer second with my list. And your strategy was basically get your toughest unit, sit, get it kind of set up in the middle of the board so that you could get your direct assault and you could uh, kind of force him to react to something tough. Right, yeah. I pretty much pushed everything forward. What, what I really like what my list can do is like I put a lot of threats out there. And as, as I push forward, it's really hard for my opponent to figure out what my game plan is because – it's usually you're looking for target priority, like what's going to do what, you know, what, how can I get these points and what can I kill that's not going to really like eradicate my side of the board. But my list is like, I, I, I call it, 
everything is trash and everything is amazing at the same time. Like that's how I see yeah. it. I've seen this style orc list do super yeah. effectively recently, just trying to threat overload and really put pressure on the enemy. So you basically did that. You set up with your mega numbs behind were they behind line of sight on the center objective or they're just gonna out there? Uh no, my neg- my mega knobs actually came out and they charged into his line and actually made it in. Um, of course it was something that he was baiting me, but I needed to throw it out there anyways. Did you call I the needed pilot? to soak up the the damage, pretty much. Yeah. Did you call the log turn one to get that charge off? No. You just did it. Okay. So your threat overloading, you're kind of using the mega knobs as a distraction. How did Brad respond from here? So from there, uh, of course he. He shot down most of the Megnods and then had to finish them off with a charge. Uh, he tried to dwindle down my boys. I, he took pot shots at the kill rig, but with the six up involve, it's it's so swingy. They pretty much just bounced. So I, my kill rig was just fine. Uh, I think he zoomed up some Harley Quins too with the Meltas, and Meltas are just super swingy as well. And those fusion pistols didn't really do much to my kill rig. And uh, so, like, his his response was pretty typical for what I was doing. You know, he was trying to get me off the direct assault, um, but I just had so much stuff on there. And then, uh, and and he was pretty much setting up for the next turn as well. Okay. What's tough so, right there is, uh, you know, you the Harlequins are pretty tough to deal with whenever you're trying to take the middle of the board as a combat army because you put him out there. His counter strike is far reached where you can't really counter off of that and it hit it hit you hard i mean those harlequins are no joke when they come into your even even coming into your uh your orcs right yeah yeah the harlequins are they can be uh scary you know though since orcs have been toughness five harlequins isn't as scary as they they used to be though because wounding me on fives is such a big deal especially uh you know, his Fang Master's trying to go off and do other things on his own, so he's not getting the rerolls that he wants. Yeah, it makes sense. That's um I, I didn't even think about that because I'm sure he wasn't he was running him with the pistol, so he's not running him with the uh, what is it, the caress that gives him the plus two strength to make him strength five. So that's interesting. I wonder if uh, I wonder what his thoughts would be on that. Nick, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm actually I'm really curious to see how um John kind of progressed from here. Basically, because all the balls in his court after this point, you know. Right. So after after his first turn, my second turn came around, and um, I, I applied more pressure with the kill rigs. I I I did not. No, I had to wad this turn because he was still deployed so far in the back, and he only still had few units out there that I needed to get my war boss into his backline field. I needed the dark reapers to go because they were just. Yeah, you know they they just do a lot of work. Uh, so I was able to charge into them. Um, he heroically intervened with the solitaire onto that one. Um, I I took pot shots. He he was pretty well hidden. There was a lot of obscuring that really helped him, and not as much as myself. So it was really actually hard to to get any shots that I wanted with the kill rigs on the things that I needed. So I, I pretty much spread it out. I got boys out. I had, I pretty much had the whole field and I gave him a five on his turn because I was able just to claim all the objectives. So when his turn came around, he looked at me and he's like, dude, I don't know what to shoot at. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. that's, that's pretty much the point. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I was doing exactly what you kind of 
anticipated here or intended to. So I guess Brad's response, his army is really good at spreading out, picking and choosing where it fights, outflanking, getting behind you, making your army spread out when it's not really designed to, and basically not really giving you something to latch onto and fighting. Is that kind of how he approached the responsive turn? Yeah, um, he didn't, again, he doesn't pull out a lot. He kept a lot of stuff reserved in the corner just to take the shots, cast the spells. Um, he he was looking for 10 pretty much on his primary. So he would go and just snag an objective that I didn't, you know, that I had something light on there that he could take care of. Keep and then, his uh, alive kind of thing and play the long game. Yeah, he, he definitely played the long game and he... He was like shooting out, you know, he'd shoot out his fang, uh, his fang master at one point. He tried using his solitaire to take out the uh, the squig hog boys, but realized the rose doesn't uh, re-roll against Calvary. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's actually, Brad and I disagree about the solitaire. It's just like, there's a guy who has got like 10 attacks. There's strength four, AP one, three damage. The re-roll one versus infantry, so... Three damage is really nice. And yeah. really infantry is good. But AP1 sucks ass and not everything is infantry. See the squig hog riders. So I don't know. But yeah, even kind of met his match over there, I guess. Yeah. I, so you know what? Point, oh, go ahead. Sorry. You know what's interesting here is whenever you're reading his list, I didn't even hear the solitaire. I guess I'm so used to not hearing that model that I just like didn't even hear it. So he was talking. He's like, then the solitaire heroically intervened. I was like, Wait, wait, wait. Just rewind for a second. Like, it's all I can think I about for a second. Really liked, I don't know. He, like, when I heard he and I had a phone call on Sunday night after the event um, before I became him. And he, he said he really liked the solitaire. I don't know. I, I don't, but that's okay. Well, maybe I'd like to see it. I think that'd be, that's an interesting take. I, so kudos to Brad. Yeah. Sorry, John. Keep going with uh, your little battle report here, though. It's about you. So uh, by, by this turn, by turn two, I was, feeling very comfortable with myself where I was in position. Uh, his turn two, he hit hard again. He, I think he did eventually pop the kill rig by turn two, but I had all the boys out and ready to go uh, to take the objective back, and I gave him another five. Uh, and then by the time my turn three came around, I spread out I spread out even more just to keep feeding him stuff. Um and I didn't really have to do too much other than that. It was just holding off. I can't get into his corner because he was able to screen me out really well. So I still had to wait for him to come out. So by the time his turn three came around, you know, he's looking at, he's like, okay, I, I got to do some stuff here. So he comes up in the center of the board and he, th that's when he starts making his moves and popping out using his tricks where, you know, he goes behind line of sight so he can charge. He didn't want to get uh, overwatched by the Burnas. My Burna boys were a huge threat to his army that he did not want to have to deal with. And they were in the center of the board, uh, behind line of sight, in a, in a truck, so they couldn't just get shot at. And Ramshackle just really helps out. Yeah. So, um... So what he's was he... Oh, go ahead, Blake. What was he using at this point to screen the screen out, just so people kind of get a visual? What was that kind of the layers of his army that you were looking at as you were really like he was screening out with mainly his, um, mainly with his transports, just because the ruins were so big that like my kill rigs just can't get in anywhere. 
at that point. As he was trying to move block you with his Star Weaver, so your Killer Eggs were stuck on your side of the board, really trying to fight your armor piecemeal kind of thing. Um, but I still felt I still felt really confident on turn three. You know, he he did his strikes. He he removes he he removed the back boys down to like one dude, and then he oh no he killed that dude. I had Storm boys that dropped down to just screen out his back end because he still had stuff in reserve. He still had like his Warwalkers reserve, his uh the uh the ones with the wings. I can't remember their names. Yeah, the Hawks. Swooping Hawks. And uh, he was eventually able to drop them down and get their rod up. Um so by by time turn four happened, I made a, I actually made a big mistake. Uh, I, I I knew my mistake. I I misunderstood. <laughs> I thought there was nothing in a transport. My bad. I charged the transport and I charged as like one wound solitaire with my squig hog boys in the center of the objective. And I popped the transport and he gets his troop out. And I remember the troop master getting in there and I'm like, wait, there's a troop in there. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, ah. So he claims the objective, stops my direct assault. And that Riddle. that right there is what lost me the game, that move. Because after that, everything else pretty much still went my way. I just couldn't keep up in points. And he got me by one, like just this one. This was a 96 97? It was 95 96, yeah. 95. So, what points did you miss in this game? Um, so, I'm just the three points in direct assault because I had Rod. Oh, so you maxed out Rod, but that's that's only going to get you to a 97. Miss those three right. assaults. I got gotcha. you. Wow. What points did Brad miss? Did he, he just miss missed the points? one point on engage. Oh, was it that, is that on turn one he missed that? Yeah. Okay, because yeah, usually you don't get that full engage turn one. That's really interesting because you could, but you guys both played a full maxed out game pretty much, but you know, you missed the one thing and so did he. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty cool. So, what would you have done different there? Do you feel like you would have? Do you feel like you could have capitalized on it in a different way if you had known that 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 that, that troop was in there? If you had remembered that it was there, I guess. Oh yeah, I would never charge the transport. I was like, when when I when I seen the troop get out, I, I remember the troop master in there, and when I seen the troop get out, I was like, oh, I should I should have asked, right? Like, I should have double checked myself and been like, hey, is there anything in that transport before I charged it? Um, but. But you know, sometimes you don't. You get you get ahead of yourself before <laughs> before you do stuff. And um, uh, no. if I think if I didn't do that, uh, yeah, I, I think I could have actually took that game by by maxing it out. Yeah, we we've all made that mistake before. I'm not asking what's in the transport. So oh, it's, yeah. it's nice to be. It sucks that you can like pinpoint like that's the moment. That, that's what it cost me. It. But you know, there's like also a million like previous decisions that got us to that point so maybe right. you know strategically you know it all worked out for you and we're here oh yeah it, it was i mean it was a fantastic game a actually it was a very relaxed game brad and i were super chill we were laughing we were chit-chatting you know like the whole game too there was i i felt like that was just the game you want to play you know when you get to the table you can have a good time and it's no stress it's just fun. yeah Awesome. I'm glad you had that experience. So I'm going to 
go through this game in the next episode and really try to figure out what else you could have done a little bit better. I know you this is one clear this is a moment where like it's pretty obvious like this is where I lost. But like that doesn't mean you played a perfect game up until that point. So that's my job to try to figure it out. What can we improve on? Um, if there's anything you think you could have improved on, even despite the fact that you had this until you didn't have it, what do you think it could have been? Um, I think I would switch some of my deployment around. Like I think I would actually had the boys out in front and, and just actually rush them forward. Um, and actually have the kill rigs, the other kill rig on the line as well. And just push everything even more forward, like put more pressure on him. I think I didn't put as much pressure as I could have. Nice. Like if the strategy is going to be threat overload pressure early, go all in on that strategy kind of thing. Right. I can definitely see that. Threat overload is a really hard style to get correctly because there's a lot of cascading effect style stuff. Like if I do this differently, you know, this my opponent will react this way and then it will pull all of a sudden it's a theoretically different game. So really hard to analyze those, but we're going to do our best in part two. So normally part two is called the Brad Hour or the Bradening. Yeah, I've, I've got yours. It's uh, it's you done got nicked. I'll take it. That's not bad. You I done like got nicked. That's, That's part two. That's our part two of nicks on the episode. You're getting nicked. Oh, we're <laughs> we're doing it. Yeah, it's a. Uh, but uh, yeah, Brad. Brad texted me after he played this game versus you, and he was like, "I got our next guest." He was like, uh, "John is coming on the show." He's like, "John played such a clean game." He was like, "It was it was an awesome game." He was a super great opponent. I think he really has like a really good grasp of. Like he said, he'll be able to recap this game perfect. It's like, yeah, and that, that's a hard skill. People don't realize how tough it is to be in John's situation here, like trying to remember a game you played. I mean, think about it. You play like five games, and you're like, oh, oh yeah. what's this little detail? Like, yeah, so so kudos, man. You did a great job. I really enjoyed hearing about your game with Brad. So. Appreciate it. Yeah, sorry I started here and there, though. <laughs> no, no. That's what hey. we got editing for. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I uh, always ask all my guests when they come on is when you – Think about a tournament afterwards. You think about the games you won, the games you lost. What is your process for kind of breaking that down and like learning from it? Um, honestly, what I like about tournaments is afterwards, everyone kind of gets together and like we all just talk. You know, we'll sit like Brad usually has this little circle of cronies, right? And I'm one of them. And <laughs> uh, we're, we're we're sitting there, and and honestly, we hash out everything. We hash out lists, ideas, like things that could be better, things that would have been worse. Like, what can we do from here? Uh, what type of games did we play? It, it's really fun. It's just like a, a really good collaboration. Of, big fan of that answer. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, I think that's mine too, you know? We, I, I go to Nick, I'm like, Nick, this is what happened. No one oh, likes no. to copycat Blake. Well, no I, he, he's the first one I'm going to copy, because that's what I do too. We have the same, is it, yeah, we have the same, uh, the same answer on this. Thanks. Well, all right, man. Thanks for joining us. Join us for part deuce where we break down. We do the nicked hour. You done got nicked, and I'm excited about it. All right. Make sure to check out our other content at theartofwar40k.com. We have the war room, which is uh, uh, teaching sessions. There's all kinds of different classes that the coaches offer to teach you how to play the different various parts of the game. So go check it out. And make sure to check out our other podcast, The Art of War Vanilla. Vanilla Kiwi, if you will, because we have Steve Joel and the Boy King John Lennon hosting that one. And then we also have the American podcast, The Art of War Down Under, with the late and the great Adam Camilleri. So go check them all out. We, of course, are The Art of War Pistachio, the one you didn't know you liked until you tried it. Join us for part two. Thanks for listening. 
Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com. 